welcome to the Real Family Guys podcast with Jeff Emery and Trey Gibson, the show where education and experience collide to help you go deeper in your parenting. Broadcasting from Abilene, Texas, here are your hosts, Jeff and Trey. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Real Family Guys podcast. This is the show where experience and education collide to take you deeper in your parenting. Today, today is July the 15th, 2016. Our topic for today is having a can-do attitude. That's right. We're going to talk a little bit today. We had a listener email sent in to us. that said, hey, listen, we're having some issues with uh, potty training. We're going to kind of recover. We've done potty training in the past. We want to recover a little bit uh, for this particular listener. John, we want to say thank you for sending your email in. I hope this will help today. We're going to cover this from a couple of different angles. Uh, uh, We're going to talk a little bit about, I mean, we're going to take a little, you know, Jeff and I, we're going to take some tongue-in-cheek humor. We're going to talk a little bit about this and get a little laugh that it does happen. But also, we're going to remind ourselves that it does happen. Uh, I'm going to share some of my stories of what's been going on with some of the some of the folks in my family with this particular topic uh, of going potty and not doing it and doing it in the wrong places and we're going to go over some of that and just uh, going to cover some tips and some tricks and some things that might work and also we're just going to connect as people that are going through tough stuff that really this whole potty thing and and it's hard and it, it is mentally emotionally taxing and I think that it behooves us to talk about this. So, John, when you listen to this, I want to say thank you for throwing this topic out. I consider it an act of bravery to share this kind of stuff and let us cover it. And uh, I think that you uh, asking to have this show and requesting this to be put up here is going to connect with a lot of people uh, that are going through some of the same stuff. So thanks for shooting us that email. Before we do that, let's get into some quick housekeeping for today. If you want to stay notified of all the new episodes that come out here at the Real Family Guys Podcast, simple, easy way to do that. Go to The Family Podcast Network. That is the sister station of the Real Family Guys Podcast. Over the right-hand side, you're going to see there's a little email place that you can put in your email address and your name. When you do that, you get put onto a list that says, hey... Trey and Jeff just put out another show. Here's what it's about. You want to check it out today. Whenever you know, whenever that hits that, that means that it's already been uploaded to iTunes, Stitcher, all the other good places that this is listed. So make sure that you jump over to your favorite place, download the show, make sure you listen to it. So again, thefamilypodcastnetwork.com. Put your name and your email address. We want to hear from you. Next off, if you guys want to... Get some uh, show topics in, some ideas, some things that you want to hear us talk about, maybe some questions that you've had. Maybe you want to call in a question directly to us. So if you guys want to stay notified to us, maybe you've got a topic that you want to hear about, one of the ways that you can get a hold of us is to send us an email. You can always email us at treygibson at thefamilypodcastnetwork.com or jeff at Texas Family Institute. It does not matter which one of those you send it to. We'll be discussing it and seeing about getting a show put up for you. Shoot us an article that you like or maybe a topic that you want covered. We want to cover that with you guys. We, enjoy, we love it. We enjoy it. So make sure that you shoot those those over to us. We want to hear from you with all of the housekeeping out of the way today. Jeffrey, what are we talking about? Well, Trey, you, uh, you alluded to it very, uh, very specifically earlier. We're talking about having a can-do attitude, and uh, I got to say, this is one of those episodes where my inner twelve-year-old is going to come out, <laughs> and we're going to have fun talking uh, about being number one in the number two business. So, um, yeah, so. I'm actually really far removed from this. You know, my, my youngest is 11. We have gone through the potty training process and survived. And we're at a place where it's no longer an issue, uh, except for when we have friends that visit um, and still have kids in, uh, at, at, that, at that age level or, or stage. Or when, as the occasion has happened recently, when we have uh, puppies visiting and Whatever, keep an Jeff. eye on them. I know, so when you get uh, your, I know when you get your loot crate box, you pee yourself a little. Don't even lie to me. Shh, don't reveal all my secrets. (laughs) 
Yeah. So, um, so this is an issue that a lot of people experience because uh, for some, you know, the body training experience is uneventful. You know, the kid, their kid gets to that stage and they handle it one way or another and they move on. But I got to tell you, um, it's uh, it's a very important and developmental marker that uh, that that catapults you from uh, from one stage of parenting to the next. It really is a, a milestone when your kids are able to do this. And when you have multiple kids, uh, Trey, you can probably attest to this. When when you have the other ones that, that come behind and they see their older siblings already kind of kind of doing things, I think that that's one of those um, one of those uh, blessings because there's you know it, it it feels like they just kind of follow right along. Uh, or at least that that was our experience. So yeah, yeah, that's been the experience for us too. Once we figured out how to get Anna potty trained, she basically uh, unknowingly trained our next two kids. Uh, however, things did not stay on track, and we'll talk a little bit about this here in a little bit. But things did not stay on track for us. Uh, the more kids that we had, and uh, but you know, I, I I also think this one's a valuable one to talk about because I think that when we experience issues in this, I think it's very easy as parents to take it very personally. Uh, yes. You know, we love seeing our children meet their developmental milestones. We we love seeing when they're doing things. We love it the most when they're ahead of the game, right? It makes us feel very accomplished in most cases. And and so when we see our kids behind, I think that a lot of times we take it as a very big hit to our uh, our p- parenting ability. Let me rephrase that. I know that I have taken it very hard. It's almost like a, a wounding to my parenting ability. And am I doing something wrong? Am I screwing my kid up? And I think that we have to talk about this a little bit and uh, because I think it can be very scary uh, when we don't. But I think when we're often honest about it, we're going to find that there are so many folks out there that are dealing with in some capacity or another. I, I think that's probably true of a lot of parenting issues. That if we're willing to be vulnerable and actually talk about our shortcomings as parents, uh, stories come out of the woodwork where other people, other parents have experienced something similar and are able to commiserate and help us to be able to cope with. Right. Pardon me. And, uh, and deal with hard times. So to start the ball rolling, I want to tell you about a couple of, uh, of funny um, potty humor kind of stories that, uh, that came out of our, our, our children's potty experiences, even before potty experiences. All right. So this is one of my funniest ones. Um, so we were explaining to uh, Mary Hannah when uh, when she was young uh, the uh, the whole digestive process, right? And that sometimes when things go in, they don't get digested very well, and they come out too, right? Like um, things like corn, because you know, watching us change her her little sister's diaper. Mary Hannah was about four years old, and and we were trying to explain that you know if it goes in, your body digests it and it comes out. But there are some things that don't get digested, and so we were kind of explaining that process. So. Um, so one day I'm changing Eleanor's diaper and uh, I open up the diaper and apparently we didn't discover this until uh, until we saw it uh, in the after effects that uh, Amelia had been doing her craft room thing and doing some scrapbooking some other things and Eleanor had uh, had somehow managed to swallow some googly eyes and guess what was staring out at us from this pile yeah can you imagine that train opening up a diaper and it's looking back at you. That's right. That's right. So, it's not really a potty training story, but it's one of my favorite, uh, funniest uh, potty humor kind of stories. I remember uh, whenever yes. whenever Grant was uh, just starting to get into diapers, he was just starting to walk around, and he was just kind of getting to that phrase where 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 uh, he was starting to kind of get some words formulated. I remember that he was running around the house, or I say that he was a very toddler, and uh, he was just kind of hobbling around the house and saying words. And I remember that that he had. Uh, just got introduced to um, Corey had made some some Jello instant pudding and uh, mm. we'd put it in a cup and I mean he ate that got it all over his face and we showed him a uh, <laughs> we showed him a, a picture of the chocolate all over his face and he just thought that was funny as could be and 
Anyway, fast forward to a few days later, he was sitting there and he was walking around the house, and all of a sudden he stops and he frowned, and he got just this very, you know, concerned look on his face, and he was just deep frowning. We're like, what's what's he doing? I mean, he looked mad almost, and he was just sitting there. And the next thing I know, we just hear this this ripping, you know, buzz saw sound exit his body, and, and you can just tell that he's ripped off this this huge poop, and he stops and he looks down at his crotch in like he surprised himself, and almost like what. <laughs> I mean, he looked like, like his crotch just betrayed him. And he grabbed his diaper and he opened it up. And all of a sudden, his eyes lit up and he goes, Ooh, the taco de pudding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I beat. I cry. I laughed until I had tears flowing. This is the taco de pudding. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Not all of our children's experiences with uh, with their bodily functions have been something that uh, that uh, are cause for laughter. Although looking back, you know, perspective gives us <laughs> gives us a lot to laugh about. But I remember one time going to church. That, um, one Sunday morning, I we had such a hard time getting out the door, and I, I had a confession. By the time I got to church, I, I said, you know, I have in the past I've judged people for being late to church. Because, you know, I just thought if they would just take the time and they would get there, they would get up and take care of their business in the morning, then they would be on time. And then this morning happened to me where we were on our way out the door and everybody was dressed and looking our Sunday best. And we had a, a, a blowout. Uh, I had to go back and it was it didn't stay contained in the diaper. It didn't make it to the bathroom. And we had to go back inside and change. And just when we thought that uh, we were, you know, doing OK, we we're going to and we ran out the door. It happened again because if you're having one blowout, chances are you're having digestive issues. Was it the and same kid? Yes. Oh, nice. And yeah. So you just have to go back in and, and you got to change your clothes and take care of things. And, you know, I, I think if it had happened one more time, we might have just given up and stayed home. <laughs> As it was, we were just late. And, and I just had to explain to the rest of the class that uh, that my judgmental heart um, had had uh, it learned a lesson. <laughs> so... So like I said, not, not every experience that we have is something worth, worth laughing about necessarily. It can often be frustrating. Um, yeah. And we're not the only ones, Trey. We go to the handy-dandy interwebs, and we're going to find all sorts of other stories out there. As a matter of fact, I just, uh, I just did a quick search for uh, potty training horror stories, and there were like 8 million hits. <laughs> so <laughs> so we, we know they're out there. So I, I followed one to a website called mothering.com. Uh, potty training horror stories and pretty soon um, I, I started relating to some of the things that people had, had written. A lot of them were, um, you know, the, the whole potty training business is um, it, it's just difficult to remind kids. They get distracted doing other things, right? So uh, at the at the top of the list is the person who started this thread. Uh, her, her handle on this website is Mother Nature and she says, um, here's what happened to us tonight. My dear daughter told me she needed to go poo-poo so we went to the bathroom and she tried. She hopped up after a few minutes and she went about her business because, you know, no poop. And so she went about, she, she says, I went about my business too. I was in the kitchen and I hear, mommy, mommy. I told her I'm in the kitchen. So she comes trotting into the kitchen and asked me to pick her up. I did and discovered a moist feeling on my shirt. <laughs> I asked her if she went pee pee and she said, no, poo poo. <laughs> I looked yeah. down at my shirt and sure enough, she was right. I asked her where she went and she said, the toilet. Well, she got really close, but the poop was on the floor next to the potty. Uh, so I had to change my clothes, clean the floor, and then we still had the phantom poopy smell. Turns out her little dress was soiled too. So close, yet so far away. 
Did yep. you ever? Did you ever do? Oh, I'm sorry. Were you done reading? No, no. Yeah, yeah. That's the end of that story. Did you ever? Did you ever do the finger swipe? The the finger swipe to figure out if something was there. That's right. To do the check. I don't know why it is. For some reason, in my mind, every time that I'm wondering if my kid has has gone poop, especially when they're younger and it hasn't exactly developed the the satanic odor yet. That mm-hmm. my mindset is is the best way to determine whether or not they went is to is to do the quick finger dip. Why yeah. is that? I don't know. It makes no logical no sense, sir. whatever. And yet every single time I do the oh man. Well, it does make some logical sense. You don't want to go through the hassle of undressing them and then checking the the diaper or whatever. So you just kind of you know, although you'd think you'd be able to tell by smell by you know just kind of yanking it back and 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 getting a whiff of what's going on inside that diaper, but you never know. Okay, so here's another little horror story that, uh, that I thought was funny on this Mothering.com website. She says, my son is 14 months old and has gone in the potty a handful of times. It's more like, we know he's going to go, and so they put him in there, and he goes. Not that he's doing it on his own initiative. Anyway, a while back, we're sitting in the living room, and he starts looking uncomfortable. So I took him to the bathroom and put him up on the toilet. There he is, sitting and straining, and nothing's happening. So after a while, he gives up, and I, I give up, and I take him off the toilet. I turn to get something from the cabinet, and as I do... He makes a massive diarrhea-style poop on the bathroom rug, does a little dance in it, and then runs down the white carpeted hallway, placing little <laughs> poop footprints all the way to the bedroom. <laughs> After the cleaning was over and the horror began to fade, these poop prints started to look almost cute. Yes, they stained. The steam cleaner has made them almost invisible now, and I'm sure they'll be totally invisible after the next time we steam the carpet. I think that's hilarious. Little poop prints. <laughs> poop footprints. So, okay, so I've got, I've got one of my own, Jeff, that, to interject right. here. It's funny now, then it wasn't, but I remember that we were we were trying to get, I can't remember if it was Anna or Grant, we were trying to get one of them uh, to learn, and, you know, we kept, you know, we you know we started them out on the small potty, and, and we kept trying to work on, with them on that, and they never really seemed to understand, like, we could accidentally get them to go in it, but it seems like they would never just go, and I remember that finally, we had this brilliant idea that we were going to get one of the ones that has the, the two contacts in the bottom, yeah. so that way when you pee in it, it creates the circuit. And, and then it plays like a little song for him. Right, and, right. Uh, so we, we, we get this thing and we think, hey, what a brilliant idea. It'll play a little song for him every time. So they'll want to, to, to make this work. And, uh, and so very first time we introduced them to it, they know kind of what they're supposed to be doing. And we sit them down on it. And, and I, I, like I said, maybe it was Grant and it was, he was running the number two or maybe it was Anna running number one. I don't remember. But they were sitting on it. And I remember that, that, that something came out and it made that contact and lit up and started playing music and lighting up. And I will never forget that look of sheer terror <laughs> on that child. They jumped up, pants on their, their little feet, and ran out of the bathroom, screaming as loud as they could. And we never got him to sit on that toilet ever again. It kind of backfired on you, huh? That's hilarious. Uh, so there you go. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So uh, one more horror story here. Or actually, it's not even a horror story. It's just kind of a... a I guess an alternative horse. I don't know. Anyhow, U.S. AMA or U.S. USA AMA. I don't know. I can't read their name. Anyhow, this uh, this poster said, "Not sure I can beat the poop stories, but my dear daughter thinks it's super fun to pee in her panties, so she can clean it up, take them off, put them in the hamper, and then get new ones. She'll actually hold it and then go right in her new panties, so she can play the cleanup <laughs> game all over again." So we're back in diapers for now, probably until she's three. But I trained at three and a half, so I can't complain. At least we're using cloth diapers, so they're paid for. Right. And I think that's funny because sometimes, like you were saying, you know, you had the best of intentions. You were going to do the positive reinforcement thing, <laughs> but it didn't quite work the way that, uh, that you thought it would work. Right. 
So, um, you know, uh, as I as I read on through some of these horror stories, there seemed to be a theme of leaving kids in the crib when they were old enough, and then coming back and finding them doing some sort of artwork, finger painting, oh, yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've um, had a few. Yeah, yeah. So I I recall a story from my childhood. My mom was talking about one of my sisters who shall remain nameless, Julie, and uh, <laughs> that mom had some issues with her one time and told her to go to her room. And, and when she went to the room, uh, mom actually like locked her in the room. I don't know if you can get away with that nowadays, but <laughs> at the time, mom was just at the end of a rope, and, and Julie apparently didn't care. Julie was like a honey badger. She was like, honey badgers don't care. So she just... She, <laughs> Mom was like, she's being too quiet in there. So she goes back in the room, and sure enough, Julie, and I don't even remember how old she was, old enough to know better, I guess, but, uh, but decorated the room uh, with, uh, with her own uh, artwork of, of supplies of her own making there. And it was messy and stinky and um, kind, of, kind of backfired. So you never know what's going to happen, but um, after reading some of these stories on the interwebs, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it could be worse. <laughs> and I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna complain about our horror stories too much. But horror stories are not uh, not why we decided to do this podcast. We did this podcast because potty training can be an ordeal, and so we wanted to just run through some real life um, techniques and and hints from uh, from actual parents and what worked for them, what didn't work for them. Uh, because honestly, uh, I think all the experts will agree that there is not any one way to do this. There are a lot of different ways and it's going to depend on your kid's personality, on their age, developmentally, on your level of patience. Um, so you're going to have to find something that works for you and works for your kiddo That's, yeah. and be willing to be flexible. The, uh, Jeff is hitting on an, an excellent point right here. You need to look at whatever is going on with your kid as a few things. Number one, it's unique. It will be unique to you and your kid. Um, what Jeff and I are going to express today, what some of these other families are going to express today, are going to be what either has worked or has not worked for them. So two things you need to keep in mind with this. Number one, listen for things that other people have done that you're like, ooh, that sounds really good. But don't be afraid to listen to things that people tried that didn't work. And don't think that just because it didn't work for them that it might not work for you. Remember, you are the expert of your kid. Nobody knows that Jeff and I don't know your kid better than you, and we never will. You know them better. So number my, my first big point is, is listen for what other people have done that have worked, plus what are some other things that maybe didn't work that uh, will, will help you out a little bit. So the number two thing I want you uh, to consider uh, as you're going two. through this, <laughs> number two, <laughs> number two thing I want you to consider as you go through this too is, is that sometimes this is multimodal. Uh, that means that there's multiple things that often influence it. And a lot of parents will walk into this and they'll put one, one technique down and then they'll get so discouraged that they'll give up and they're like, I don't, nothing's working. Then they'll try this and then they'll try that and then they'll try this and they say, listen, Trey, like really, we've tried these five things and they didn't work. And the answer may absolutely be, you're exactly right. You really put your effort into that and it didn't work. Sometimes there's multiple things that create problems. And, uh, and so we're going to talk today about a kind of a list of ways to look through it, including everything from addressing the physiological side. Is there a, a yeast infection or are we looking at uh, like a bladder, a bladder, infection. bladder infection, that kind of stuff? That's a big problem that can create that. But also, what if it is behavioral and there's four or five different things that are creating the issue and we have to create four or five different things to work it out? So don't get discouraged. If you've tried a whole bunch of things, don't get discouraged today. Listen uh, for what we're going to talk about. We're hopefully going to give you some great stuff and think about that cocktail that you can put together that might work for your kid. Hey, Trey. 
Yeah, tell me what. Do you know what accountants do when they're constipated? Oh God, no! What? They work it out with a pencil. <laughs> and if that doesn't work for you, here are some tried and true methods. I told you we were going to revert to potty humor, didn't I? Say my inner twelve-year-old was going to come out. There is no way to resist it, Jeff. <laughs> So at, at uh, parenting.com, or I'm sorry, at parents.com, I found an article uh, that says top 20 best ever potty training tips. And so these are from readers, parents.com readers, uh, actual parents telling what worked for them. And so as I read through it, there are a multitude of ways. Like we said, every kid's a little bit different. And so we're just going to run through all these and throw some stuff out there. Trey and I will comment on things that make sense to us or have worked for us or if we have any caveats about it. Once again, this is there, there's no right or wrong way. To, well, that's not true. There's probably some very wrong ways to do it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, try these at your own risk. But if it involves electricity or pain in general, <laughs> probably we're going to go ahead and dub that as most likely or wrong. Right. Now, interestingly <laughs> enough, what, one thing that will play throughout all of our comments in this, I'm sure we're, we're going to stand by our philosophy that it, this has to be relational and it has to come with patience and no shaming. It is very tempting as a parent when we experience frustration with our kids to take that frustration and turn it into somehow either through our words or behavior or just our general attitude to convey that our kids are at fault for our frustration and that's something that that we try to avoid so uh, you'll hear us comment on things uh, with that as we go through here so starting at the top of the list of these 20 tips the first thing that is mentioned by several parents is that patience is a virtue some parents have tried, uh, you know, going to the potty every 20 minutes, every 10 minutes. Uh, sometimes they dedicate an entire day to it. Uh, Elisa Mernick from Fairfield, Connecticut, said that when I thought my daughter was ready, around uh, two years and a couple months, we went to the toilet every 10 minutes, even if we were out. And then we slowly worked up to 15 minutes and 20 minutes. And after a day or two, she could pee on her own. Poop was a different story. I had to goad her with M&Ms. I wonder if she had to actually goad her or if she, or if she like, tempted her with M&Ms. I don't know. Yeah, no, seriously, we've used the M&Ms like a mug dog, and uh, with some of our kids, the M&Ms were absolutely fantastic. Now, what we noticed is, is one of our kids, very similar to one of the, the stories we were talking about earlier uh, in the horror stories, one of, one of our kids, Charlotte, actually got to where she realized that if she metered her sprinkly tinkles for about <laughs> every, every five <laughs> minutes, that we were, we were making lots of subsequent trips. When we were excited to go to lunch, though, it was like skadoosh, and we got rid of the whole thing at once, right, <laughs> Hannah? But she was actually metering those out to try to maximize her what she was going to get. Smart kid. That's because kids are smarter than we give them credit uh-huh. for. Probably Agreed. smarter than we are. Yeah. Agreed. So several of the parents on this list indicated that uh, that going number one was a whole lot easier than going number two. But one of the uh, tips that Karen Wright gives was that we have to watch for our cues. Uh, usually, you know, holding holding your genitals or doing a little dance, uh, something like that. And uh, and when you see those cues, you run and take them to the bathroom because and and then you have to wait. <laughs> she says sometimes it, it took more than half an hour because you know they feel the urge, but then when they when they are actually sitting on the toilet, it's a little bit harder. So we started reading to make the wait more fun. So once again, that could backfire on you. You get a good story going, and they might be like, I want to hear another story. Hey, I got to go. You know, so you never know. You know, th- this particular one in terms of dealing with patients is a tough one because we feel so much pressure. 
I want to say we feel societal pressure, but I don't really think that as a generality, society really cares all that much. I mean, I, I don't don't get me wrong. If your if your thirteen year old shows up with you know diapers because they decided they didn't ever want to learn, right? There's always going to be a social repercussion. They're going to look they're going to look at that negatively. But for the most part, I don't think society really cares. But we feel this draw sure. to have them catch up on this and a lot of times that translates into our kids and in many cases we actually that anxiety i mean you guys know how infectious anxiety is you ever yes. have somebody come home your husband or your wife come home and they're worried about something or they're anxious about something and how that that i mean whatever it is that they experience uh uh in their anxiety comes out to us and next thing you know we, we can be feeling maybe it's not even full-blown anxiety but we start feeling agitated or angry or frustrated kids are no different and uh, if we walk into this particular situation with that, uh, with frustration in our hearts, ask me how I know this, it can, it can very much create uh, the opposite effect that we can be looking for. And uh, so this idea of, of patience, that's really good. It is. And I think that you hit on something else that's really important is that as parents, we need to take a non-anxious standpoint about it. That's right. Uh, it's going to happen. There are, there are not 24-year-olds going to college that are, are not potty trained. At some point, it does catch up. And if we expect our kids to learn it and, and, and be potty trained at a particular age, we're setting ourselves up for creating that anxiety because we have undue expectations. Um, you know, if you want to try it when they're, when they're two and they seem ready for it, that's fine. You know, if they're still not ready for it at three, three and a half, uh, it, it might be frustrating at times, but that's okay too. And we need to take a non-anxious stand, uh, standpoint from it. So uh, the next parent tip from parents.com is let them run around naked. Uh, she says, Jennifer Walker says, once my kids were interested in the potty concept, for her it was around uh, two to two and a half years old for her kids, she says, we let them run around the house naked before bath time and encourage them to use the potty. And then I let them go sans pants at home for extended periods of time. And they did really well remembering to go as long as they didn't have to put any clothes on. And after they mastered naked potty use, we worked our way up to clothes, first underwear and then eventually pants. This method was extremely painless, uh, very few accidents or setbacks, but it does take a couple of days. So there you go. Yeah, no, we, we've used this pretty extensively, and that's one of the benefits to, to doing um, uh, the, the whole homeschool thing is that, I mean, there's, there's very few social rules that we have to adhere to. And, no pants. Uh, we, yeah, we've had kids that ran around no pants for a very long time, and I, I remember you know, getting the, the joy of teaching my eldest son to pee outside. And it, it was really cool right up until I walked out a couple of days later to see, the, to see the next youngest daughter sitting out there with, uh, she was grabbing her crotch trying to help pee like daddy and brother did. So anyway, that really has benefited us in a lot of cases, but it's also created some issues as well. <laughs> so we've already kind of hit on the next tip, which is timing is everything. Uh, and this is from a, a mom of three. She says, are you counting down the days to toilet transition? Maybe you've already dabbled in a few less than successful attempts. Either way, we've heard one thing time and again. Your kid has to be good and ready. And don't worry, he will be someday. No child is going to graduate from high school in diapers. Uh, but it's so easy to get hung up and worried on you, that your child is a certain age and not there yet. It adds pressure and it turns it into a battle. Uh, that's what we were saying earlier, Trey. So, yeah, it's good to know these other uh, parents agree with us. See how well, smart we are. I absolutely agree too. And I, you know, we we figured that out with Anna, and that was one of the better things that we did is that we never tried even beginning with them until they started showing an interest, a real interest. And you know, typically for us in our household, that would typically start out like, for instance, they would see mommy or daddy going to potty, and they would say, "What you doing?" You know, something like that. They would ask it in their language. And, you know, we would typically explain to them that we're, that we're urinating or we're defecating, we're peeing or pooping, and, and, uh, and they'd be like, okay. And then, you know, next thing you know, they'd be like, well, what's that? And so 
I, I now I mean I may get myself in big trouble with this, but I never had a problem allowing my kids to watch me go potty. And it's a little odd at first, but I want them to see that happening. And then eventually, we've always kind of got that feeling that they were kind of ready. Typically, the pants come off and they try to do it. Or if, if a kid starts taking their diaper off and peeing, then we start saying, okay, now we're ready. Because they don't like having it on. They acknowledge those are supposed to come off and then right. pee. And so then it's about going back to some of those first couple and some of the horror stories we talked about. It's about getting that timed out just right. So that way, whenever those come off, then they can associate, okay, all of these things are off. Here it comes. But I'm in front of the toilet when this happens. Exactly. And normalizing the process by allowing them to see that it's just something that everybody does and that even mommy and daddy do and that there's not any kind of punishment to, to making them go and have That's to right. have to interrupt whatever fun thing they're doing in order to, you know, just to pee or poop when they have to. It's just it's natural. So uh, we mentioned the bribery uh, with M&M's. Uh, somebody else posted here, Lisa Spicer, uh, said that she said, I wholeheartedly recommend bribery as potty draining motivation. We kept a small plastic piggy bank in the bathroom and rewarded every, every success. One penny for a pee, two for a poop. Our daughter was entranced. She would t- shake the piggy with a gleam in her eye and remark how heavy it was getting. When she was all done, we took her potty windfall and turned it into quarters to spend on rides at the mall. I think that's nice. fantastic. Isn't that great? My oh, kids love, love those that. little rides, but I hated paying $4 for the ride for 30 seconds, you know? Some, so. you know, a lot of parents, whenever, whenever we've suggested that this is the right thing to do, they get real fussy with like this because they'll say it in a negative context. They'll be like, well, isn't this just bribing kids? And well, the, the answer is, is most emphatically, yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. Well, I mean, do we want to be bribing our kids? Absolutely. You got to realize this is not a habit for our kids. This is a behavioral habit that you kind of have to train in. You got to think about what do we sit there and teach our kids those first three, four years of their lives in most cases, well, that's maybe a little too far, but, you know, those first several years of their lives, what do we teach them about their diaper? You had better not take that off, right? right. We teach our kids don't take the diaper off because we understand that that's going to create a big mess, right? So now, in a lot of cases, we're flip-flopping. Now yeah. we're saying, okay, we want you to, but they've already associated anxiety, concern, worry about taking their diaper off because it's going to lead to mommy and daddy fussing at me. So we have to retrain even just the, the physical, the chemical reaction that happens in the brain to say, oh, this is actually a positive thing when I take this off and I go pee over here. And so bribery, uh, you know, that, that positive reinforcement with the kids is, is powerful in recreating those neural pathways to reteach their brain to think totally differently than what they had to the first few years. That's a really good point, Trey. You know, as I'm scrolling through, as you're talking, I'm kind of scrolling through the next ones and looking, and I think it's amazing because I didn't read through all 20 of these before we started talking, but it's it's like we're we're predicting the next ones that are coming up because you, you just <laughs> talked about normalizing and letting our kids watch things. And so this next one is from Scott Smith uh, in Mount Washington, Kentucky. He says, after a couple of failed attempts, I tried a new technique while mom was on, away on a well-deserved weekend with her friends. We covered the couch and chairs with plastic and bought manly man underwear, just like dad's. We spent the weekend in underwear and t-shirts making a game every hour or so to see who could go to the restroom. There were very few accidents. Just uh, just blocking out a weekend made for uh, very little stress. It's still one of my favorite memories. Isn't that great? You know, just having this, this hey, you know, we're going to normalize it. We're just going to sit around in our manly man underwear. And when we got to go, we got to go. Make Love a game it. of it. Make it fun. And our kids don't associate that this is something that's horrible or that is interrupting or that is, you know, a punishment of any sort. I think that's great. Yeah, that's that's really good. And a legitimately good excuse to just sit around in your underwear. Boom. Yeah. Like, like we need one, I mean, but hey, right? <laughs> the, next, the next one is one of my favorites, and I heard about it a long time ago um, because it just appealed to, uh, to me on so many different levels. And it's simply titled Target Practice. <laughs> so Erica uh, Cons- 
Costantino of Lawrenceville, New Jersey wrote, getting my son to learn the standing up thing was hard. <laughs> so we turned it into a game. I put five Cheerios in the potty and told him to aim at them when he peed. Every time he did it right, he got to pick out a prize from a bag of goodies I picked up at the dollar store. Now, I don't know this is a potty training experience, but there's something, um, I don't know, primal about uh, the ability to stand up and pee. Ladies, I'm sorry, but uh, this is one of the, the few privileges we enjoy as men that, uh, that is just um, weird on, on a primal level, like I'm saying. And being, <laughs> being able to, to pee on something, I don't know what it is, but we all seem to get a kick out of it until we discover electric fences. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I tried that. It hurts. So, you yeah. know, I, the, the, this actually, we, we, there's a funny story about this. I was working with a mom a few years ago, and uh, she was having, you know, we were going through several things in parenting, but she goes, hey, I want to ask you a question. One of the problems that I'm having is is that my son my son doesn't want to go pee in the potty, and, and, uh, and we sat down, and of course, you know, I mean, the Cheerios thing, really, I mean, it's one of the most iconic and well-known techniques, because, I mean, who doesn't love shoot, I mean, at least boys, who doesn't love shooting some kind of projectile and hitting your target? We love that. Jeff and I are going shooting this weekend together. It's what we love to do. And so Guns, I made this. Not, I, not the other way. <laughs> we're we're not, we found an electric fence, guys, so we'll, uh, we'll report later. Break no, out the Cheerios. So we've got. <laughs> so I told this mom, well, you know, why don't you throw a few Cheerios in there and, uh, and, and, and t- you know, teach him to go shoot at those? Because they said, I bet he'll probably love it. And I explained that same kind of thing I just said to you guys in kind of that funny way. She goes, oh, that's a great idea. We eat cheers all the time. And so they, they went there, and that next week she came back, and, I mean, she came in glowering at me. I mean, looking at me like I was the, the worst possible parenting person in the world. And I was like, oh, God, what happened? And she goes, that was the dumbest thing I've ever had somebody suggest to me. And I was like, why? Well, let me tell you what happened. I threw those in there, and he sat there, and he shot those all day long. And I was like, oh, gosh, Trey is the most amazing thing in the world. And then the next morning, we wake up, and I pour him his bowl of Cheerios, and I walk out for five seconds, <laughs> and he is standing up on the deck. Actually, I think she said, like, GD, but she was upset with me. He was standing up in his chair, peeing into his Cheerios on the table, Trey Gibson. <laughs> oh, my goodness, I mean, she was, she was livid. She was livid with me. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, this is my fault. How exactly? But uh, oh I my hope goodness. to goodness that she's able to laugh at that now because that is too funny. That is that is absolutely hilarious. Wow. Okay. So uh, he he took it to the next level, right? Like a boss. <laughs> All right. So we, we've we already mentioned Trey. You and I both did about making sure that uh, this is a positive experience when we're doing the potty training stuff. And so heaping on the praise is absolutely part of the technique that we need, regardless of what trick you're using, whether it's stickers toys, special underpants. Uh, sometimes you have to pick something that's consistent with your parenting style. So if you didn't use rewards in, in one level, well, okay, how about just praise? How about using undivided attention, positive reinforcement? Uh, one of the parents on, on this suggestion level uh, posted that they didn't want to give rewards like, like we were talking about with bribery with M&Ms or, or toys or anything. But um, what they did is that they they promised that uh, they could have special time with mom or dad. So they got praise and they got special time with mom and dad. And I think that that's a great way to do things too. If you're not inclined to give stickers or toys or any other bribes, uh, we got to remember that the way that our kids spell love is T-I-M-E. So rewarding them with some of our special time or attention is a great way to motivate and uh, encourage the whole potty training process as well. That's actually really clever. It's a clever way to move away from the idea of like a physical, tangible reinforcement and move it into a, an emotional, relational one. I'll be honest, I had never considered that. It's actually quite brilliant. Yeah. Now, it doesn't work for everybody because the very next suggestion mm-hmm. uh, from Leanne Worthington from Simpson, Pennsylvania, she says, my middle son was stubborn when it came to going number two on the potty. He absolutely refused, no matter the reward. So bribery didn't work for her. So 
Instead, she told him a little white lie. She says, I finally told him that when we flush, the poop goes out to sea to feed the fish. So if he didn't go, then the poor little fish wouldn't have anything to eat. <laughs> and my son, being the compassionate, sensitive little, sensitive little do-gooder that he is, felt it was, it, it was his mission to poop to save the fish. After all, Nemo and Dory were counting on him. <laughs> wow. You know, I guess whatever works, right? Yeah, you know, when some people get fussy about this, I suspect some people would get kind of fussy about this. Not me, frankly. I mean, sometimes you got to do what's going to work. The reality is, I mean, I want you to ask your, your two-, three-year-old kid what advice you re- they remember you giving them back then, uh, you know, if for life, you know, you know, life advice, how much actually sticks with them. I mean, it's not. I mean, you're not going to permanently, you're not gonna you know, them. defunct your kid, especially as they get older, you can you can pop that news to him. I mean, that might be a problem for you. Uh, that's one of the reasons why, like, for instance, in the Gibson family, we don't do Santa Claus is because we didn't ever want to have to face that day. We said, yeah, well, you know what? These first several years, we actually haven't been telling you the truth. But I see that as being absolutely valid. I, I do not have a problem with that. It will not scar your kid. Sure, sure. Now, for those of us who want something a little bit more uh, normal or regular um, to help our kids be regular, uh, Roberta Perry mentions that uh, she says, I wish I could take credit for his training, but his amazing teachers at daycare did the hard stuff. They put him on the toilet every 20 minutes without fail, and all we had to do was follow their lead at home. Uh, she said, I think the fact that he saw his classmates going on the potty made him want to also. Um, but I, I think that just that that system of, okay, every 20 minutes, let's go try until they kind of get the hang of it. Because really what we're doing is we're training their, their muscles. We're, we're training their memory to build up kind of this muscle memory of, when I feel something, what do I do, right? And, um, and so sometimes we, we need to just remind them because they're used to, like Trace said earlier, we tell them for the first couple of years of their life, don't take that off. And so they're just not interested. If it's, I mean, it's a whole lot easier not to interrupt what you're doing and just take care of business while you're sitting still and later mom's going to change you anyhow, right? So Heather Ledbetter said that the regularity thing worked for them too, but they had a little bit of technological help. She said, we found that our son simply was not interested in remembering to go on his own. So we found the potty watch, which he loved. You program this wristwatch to play songs and light up at 30, 60, or 90-minute intervals, and then it resets itself and starts to count down all over again. How clever is that? Yeah, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Of course, you could do the same thing without having a watch that lights up and, I mean, just set a timer on your phone. <laughs> but, you know, uh, one of the things, too, for a lot of folks, you know, often there's an issue with nighttime. And we've had that with actually a couple of kids to where they mastered it during the day, but during nighttime, man, they could not figure it out. And uh, so anyway, one of the things that, 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 that I noticed that was out there, we'd actually considered buying a while back, is they do make uh, underbritches. They make some underdraws that, uh, well, actually, you can put a, like a, it's a vibration device underneath the pillow. And uh, when, the, when the very first indication of any kind of liquid or wetness hits the, the britches, that vibration goes off and it wakes them up. It pulls them out of their deep sleep. And uh, so they can go. Now, I mean, everybody who's having night problem with, with pee, it's not always the issue with just deep sleep. We've had one kid that it was. We've had another kid that it was not. And, uh, but all that to say, uh, take a look around. There's some pretty incredible technology that they have started to produce uh, and manufacture that helps aid in this process. That's really pretty brilliant, pretty clever stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, it may be, like Trey was mentioning earlier, that your kids are just smarter than you are. And if they are of the analytical bent, you might uh, follow Jenny Graham's advice from Collegeville, Pennsylvania. She writes, 
Our first son began peeing on the potty at 18 months, but he was scared to do number two. After offering many rewards and becoming very frustrated, we turned to the doctor who explained that some children view, view bowel movements as a literal part of themselves and they're afraid to watch them flush away. And this made very much sense to us because he was a very analytical child. So after showing him a children's anatomy book and explaining how the digestive system worked, the very next day he started going number two. No problems. Fascinating. How old was he again? 18 months? Yeah. That That's crazy? pretty cool. Neat kid. Uh, let's see. That was number 11. Oh, sticker shock. Uh, Jen Singer of Kennel on New Jersey says, Every time each of our toddlers used the potty, I decorated their outfits with stickers. At the end of the day, they showed off the rows of stickers, which looked like an army general stars, to their father. And they got double praise for their potty training successes. And I got an inexpensive, easy way to reward them. Nice. See, so there we have the kind of bribery thing coupled with the praise. So sounds like they're just kind of mixing it up a little bit now. Oh, here's, here's a great one. Talk about mixing it up. Darlene Fisk from Austin, Texas writes, uh, we tried Cheerios, M&Ms, potty charts, cheerleader rants and screams, but nothing worked. However, my son has always been obsessed with cars and trucks, and luckily the movie Cars had just come out. My husband scoured the local stores to collect all the figurines featured in the movie. We saw the movie, and then we told my son that every time he went potty, he'd get a car. It was magical. After 15 cars, he was totally potty trained. I'm sure Disney and Pixar would be so proud. <laughs> no, I mean, I see, I see some folks out there listening to this and getting kind of fussy at it, and I'm thinking, why in the world would you? I mean, I want you to consider the price of a box of diapers right now is anywhere from 25 to 30 bucks a pop. And I want you to think about, without the ability to potty train, how many you're going to continue to use in an entire year. Multiply that, 15 cars, times however many of those cost a piece, and do the math. See how much money you're going to save. You will save money, even if it seems uh, lavish and whatnot. You know what? They, they went through all the cheap you know, ideas first. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do to get their attention, and I have no problems endorsing that. I love it when you do a cost-benefit analysis, Trey. Oh, Yeah. Uh, speaking of cost-benefit analysis, the next one is entitled Go for Broke. Ha! I'm on a roll here today, Trey. I don't know what's hey. going on. So Pamela Scott from York, Pennsylvania says, Just go cold turkey. My two-year-old seemed ready for potty training, but none of the quote-unquote tricks were working. So we picked Saturday, put him in big boy underwear, and braced ourselves. He went in his pants four or five times within the first hour, and we just kept changing him and telling him he needed to use the potty instead. After a really long day, he got the hang of it. And was all potty trained by Monday. And he still has the occasional accident, but making the switch once and for all just really seemed to work. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, in a lot of cases, diapers do a lot to make things moderately comfortable for kids. And right. so sometimes allowing them to experience the uncomfortableness of clothes when they're wet. I mean, have you ever sat in like even just rain soaked clothes and felt how mm -hmm. much that stinks? I mean, it's, I mean, oh, yeah. pun intended, not intended in this particular case, but it stinks. It's no fun. <laughs> it's very restricting. And, and it, it, your, your skin was not designed to be wet for long. Our skin was not designed to do that. And uh, so anyway, a lot of times when we switch kids over to just playing britches like these, uh, it can create that uh, uh, uncomfortableness that doesn't get simulated with diapers. So that's the good thing about having seven dadgum kids is that it seems like we've had at least <laughs> one kid that was kind of like one of these kids that they've put on here. Yeah, you seem to be able to relate to everything. So that's and that's good. As a matter of fact, this next one is kind of funny, too, because it says we found that the kitty lids that go on top of, two, of toilets were too intimidating to use the right way. And they take a step stool. And apparently if they light up <laughs> and, and make noise, uh, it can be frightening. <laughs> um, 
So uh, they, they said that they started their two-year-old daughter with a mini Elmo potty seat, and they, they just kept it in the living room because that's where she spent most of her time. <laughs> and gradually, they just moved it closer and closer to the bathroom and eventually worked their way up to a Dora seat that went right on top of the toilet. Yeah. So I love you know, the product placement there, too. Mini Elmo seat, Dora <laughs> seat. You know, interestingly enough, we have never been able to work the mini seats out. And our best friend was when we discovered that little small ring seat that goes on the top because it mm-hmm. seems like every single kid when they learned how to potty train wanted to do exactly what you know mom dad and big brother and big sister were doing and uh, so we've never been able to, we have bought so many of those little potties that have never never come to fruition because they all want to do it just like mommy and daddy and uh, i remember whenever charlotte was starting to work on it it, it was it was during that weird trans like a weird transition time to move into a new house and we didn't have the money to go buy one of those seats and and finally that kid was like forget it i don't care and she got to where she would get up on a full-size toilet seat and balance herself like a little trapezius artist <laughs> and uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for anyway, trapeze and trapeze artist You're and, they close, would, yeah. and they would yeah yeah right yes uh, the muscle artist but they would get up there <laughs> like a trapeze artist and balance balance herself and then plop down and then go right in the middle of that and then get herself off without ever to falling in and uh, anyway you know, it was cracked me up watching her do that you know all your stories about charlotte are are these you know, she's not Anna, she's not Grant, but she has her own way of doing things that just like, just makes you look at her with and beam with pride. I can hear it as you talk. I can see your face beaming in just no. how clever and smart Charlotte is. No, it's not, Jeff. I want you to understand. I have one gray hair in my beard. One, <laughs> one gray hair in my beard. It's the only one and it is white as white can be. And it's because of her. <laughs> she is the first kid I almost killed. First and only. <laughs> no, she's wicked smart. Let me tell you, that oh, girl yeah. is going to go become a CEO and then take care of the rest of her mom and I for the rest of her life. She's going to go do that. She better. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to round out our, our potty training advice from parents.com, uh, Tracy Marines points out something that actually still terrifies me. She says, my daughter was terrified of the automatic flushers in public restrooms. And I got to tell you, Trey, they have have gotten me. You know, there's nothing worse when you're sitting on the toilet doing your thing, and you lean forward to do something. And suddenly, the sensor doesn't sense that you're there anymore. And next thing you know, you're feeling this cool breeze and and stuff as as things are starting to flush down below, and you're like, "Whoa, what just happened?" Right? I get it. Sounds like something it. out of Homer's Odyssey. Kind of <laughs> sea creatures trying to suck your butt off. Oh my goodness! Yeah, there's probably a whole chapter about that that was unpublished by Homer. Huh? <laughs> So what uh, what Tracy Marine started doing, she says, uh, I started putting a post-it note over the sensor and it prevents the toilet from auto-flushing. So when her daughter's all done and wiped, then you can move the paper and let the toilet flush. Uh, and I think that that's great advice if you're on the road and need to get your kid to use a public toilet. Uh, let's see. And I think the last little slide in this little slideshow, uh, yeah, it's just, that was it. Just says more advice on potty training. All right, so. That is all the advice that, uh, that is to be had from this particular web post. However, the reason that, that prompted this, this whole show is that uh, we had a reader, as, or a reader, a listener, as Trey mentioned earlier, who wrote in and said, hey, can you guys please talk about this? It's something we're having problems with. And so I did a little bit of searching, and I found a resource in one of our favorite places, which is AHA Parenting. Uh, Dr. Laura Markham, awesome, awesome resource and always has good advice and very much in line with the Real Family Guys podcast and our, our point of view. So I found a, um, a kind of Q&A Ask the Doctor series where she answered uh, the same general kind of question from several people. Um, 
And the question was uh, from a guy named Ed says, Dear Dr. Markham, my daughter is four and a half years old and she still has potty accidents at home, but she's fine at preschool. What is the proper action at this time? What steps should I take? Now, uh, she goes into a pretty extensive answer and I'm going to read through it and we're going to kind of comment on it as we go. Like I said, Trey and I have referenced Dr. Markham before and she's got great advice. And she also takes that very simple short question and takes it from like four or five different angles and asks other questions that were you know, kind of inherent in the question, but not really, not really asked. So here's her answer to that question. What do I do if I have my kid who does fine at home or does fine at school, but still has potty accidents at home, four and a half years old, you know, you'd think that, that she's got, uh, she's got it all under control, but apparently no, that's not the case. So Dr. Laura Markham writes, dear Ed, it's great that your fa- daughter is fine at preschool. It means that she's physically fine. No physical issues that need to be checked out by your pediatrician. Otherwise, that would always be the first thing I'd recommend for a four-and-a-half-year-old who's having, who's having toilet training accidents. Okay, first pause. Uh, that's absolutely the first thing. If you are in a situation where you've done the potty training thing and we seem to have some regression or there is something that, that is unusual that's happening considering that your kid is already potty trained, always, always, always rule out um, – any kind of physical manifestation of, of something that, that could be an issue. Talk to your pediatrician. Make sure, as Trey mentioned earlier, that we don't have a bladder infection or urinary tract infection or something like that that could be causing some of those accidents to happen. This is actually a really important part for both sides of the family. And let me tell you why I, I speak to this. Uh, after the fire, we had one of our kiddos uh, uh, who regressed. And we had, we had done very well. All the, I mean, we were, we were going all day and all night. Uh, for uh, two or three months before the fire happened, and everything was good, and uh, and then eventually uh, we after the fire we really did okay for that first little while. I have to suspect that probably we were in kind of like an emotional uh, shock, kind of like how the body goes into shock for quite yeah. a while, just kind of numbed out, and things really hadn't settled in. And uh, once those other stages of grief started coming along, we started seeing things flare back up. We couldn't go through the night again. Uh, and then we couldn't, uh, like we, like particularly like driving, when we would go on trips, we couldn't make the entire trip before we would go uh, constantly and repetitively. Even whenever we would have two or three fine days, we'd go on a trip and it was like all of a sudden we would, we would, we would pee ourselves or we'd poop ourselves right in the middle of our car seat. And it was just like, what in the world is going on with this too? But I, I'm saying all this not to say, hey, look what problems we had, but I, I want you guys to connect with this because one of our best friends, even though we didn't always adhere to this, uh, one of our best friends was to remind ourselves, listen, they've, she, they've just been through something hard. Uh, they've been through something right. difficult. And, and reminding ourselves that took some of the sting out of it, took some of that anxiety that we talked about that she we shouldn't be having to deal with this. Uh, it takes some of the frustration when you've got to go and change that poopy pair of britches or that nasty car seat like for the third time in three days. Uh, that's frustrating. I mean, it, it does. It irritates me, at least as a parent, to no end. And some of the things that she needed from me the most in that was she needed me to understand. And that doesn't mean that we're condoning a behavior. It doesn't mean that that's going to, you know, we're going to let this happen forever and ever. Uh, It just means that we understand in those situations that sometimes things do happen. And so, anyway, that's why it's important to rule out, uh, do we have a physiological issue? Because once we can understand, you know, their little bodies are having problems physically not peeing. Or if they're having an emotional issue because maybe there's something traumatic going on. Maybe we're having lots of uh, conflict between mom and dad at home right now. Maybe there's been a divorce. Uh, it doesn't just have to be house fires and things like that. Um, sometimes even just all of a sudden we've been doing fine and all of a sudden we go to school. And yeah. we're not staying home with mom all day. And, and it, you know, it's not, 
It's not about trying to get back home. It's just that now all this stuff is different, and I'm taking in all these new sight sounds and everything else. So getting our heart in a place where we can see our kids as people again uh, and not as a problem is one of the most vital and important things we can do in this in some cases. Absolutely. And Dr. Markham takes the same kind of tack that Trey and I are talking about here uh, in giving that advice. She says, first of all, it's not unusual uh, to have a four or five-year-old who just forgets because four or five-year-olds are busy. They get absorbed in what they're doing and it takes time for humans to learn just how long we can delay before starting for the bathroom. Even adults sometimes <laughs> have a problem uh, judging that, uh, that as well. She says, second, uh, do not punish your daughter for her accents. There's a lot of research data on this and punishing kids for potty accents always increases the frequency of the accents. It turns into a power struggle and fights with your child about her body and those fights are fights you will never win. So you don't want to make a huge deal about this, or she may begin using the accents as a way to get attention. Uh, hiding your disappointment and being very low-key about this is the best approach. That's what Trey and I were talking about, having just a non-anxious approach to handling accents and stuff like this. You know, it seems very contrary in a lot of cases, but we'll get this idea that kids don't necessarily like uh, having negative attention. And in most cases, there's a lot of truth to that, but I've found that kids can often be drawn to that attention just as much as they can positive. And uh, when I get this big song and dance and show uh, these animated people in my life, mom and dad, and they're so animated and they're jumping around, even if it's kind of uncomfortable and negative for them, they enjoy that sometimes better than than not getting much of a reaction from us at all. And I've seen kids get hooked on that. And uh, so I, I love, I love, of course, you know, Dr. Markham, Dr. Laura is probably one of my favorite parenting people that's out there like i look up to her in so many ways she's an amazing writer and got great advice and uh, she's always had such good stuff about this so anyway i like what she's writing power struggles yeah yeah absolutely and, and obviously you know we talk about this all the time on the real family guys podcast power struggles are are more of an indication that something's wrong with us in our parenting style than it is that something's wrong with our kid so uh let's see third uh her piece of advice she says um the letter writer above Ed does not say whether or not this is a regression. That means whether she was ever completely toilet trained without accents. If she was and is now having accents, then there may be an emotional reason for her yeah. regression, like some stress in her life, as Trey was mentioning earlier. You know, uh, it doesn't have to be something extreme as as extreme as having your house burned down. It could be something as as simple as just going to school or some other transition, uh, losing a pet. I mean, ooh, good one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's no telling. So. Even something you would not notice or think is a small change in your kid's life can throw a four-year-old off. If this is a regression, treat her accents casually by cleaning them up quickly and matter-of-factly and say something like, uh-oh, let's clean you up. Soon you'll be making to the, to the toilet just like you used to. And, you know, chances are she will. Go ahead. You know, talking about stressors, I, I remember that years ago when I was working with a family, that, that this, this mom and dad had had this kid, and uh, the, one of their family members had passed away, and they had talked to the kid a little bit about death, and they were answering the question. And all of a sudden, there was, there was bedwetting coming that was starting to happen afterwards out of this. Like, you know, we're talking seven, eight-year-old kid, and they could not figure out what was going on. And finally, they said, could you please just talk to him? And we sat down, and I started talking, and I started kind of directing those questions, you know, towards what we were looking for. And... And next thing I know, he started talking about death. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm so scared of death. I'm like, why? And he goes, man, I, I just, I, you fall asleep. And then the next thing you know, I mean, it, you're gone. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, tell me about that. And what had happened was a very well-intended uh, family member had been talking to this kid about, uh, about death. And they had told him, well, pretty much your uncle so-and-so, uh, he died. Well, what's that? So, well, he, you know, he fell asleep and never woke up. 
Well, that mm. freaked this kid out. And so you want to talk about it. And so he, he regressed because he became scared of, <laughs> going to sleep. of going to sleep. Now, this kid was a little bit mentally retarded. But, but all that just said, like, fit literally, we're talking diagnosably mentally retarded. But, but this can happen in younger kids in a lot of cases, too. And if something as simple as a description, just not quite being what their brains can handle on a metaphoric sense, uh, can regress a kid back. And sometimes you don't even realize you don't even mean to. Absolutely. And so uh, that's obviously something that we want to explore. You know, we start off by ruling out physiological things and then we need to look for um, any kind of emotional or, or lifestyle uh, stressors. And sometimes it takes some investigation, like the story Trey just told, where we examine, okay, you know, maybe there's something that's scaring them or bothering them, right? Um, and once we've ruled all that stuff out, we still need to handle things pretty non-anxiously, right? Um, Dr. Laura goes on to say, um, if it's just a matter of going at school and not going at home. She says, you know, it, it may be obviously that she can do well because she does well at school, but when our kids get home, that's their safe place. They left the guards down and there's no peers to ridicule her. And so she might just think, you know, it's, it's not as big of a deal. And so she recommends that Ed start discussing with her what's different at home than at school and reminded that she needs to go to the potty as soon as she notices something because a lot of times it's just a matter of being willing to interrupt what you're doing, right? Our kids get focused on something and they don't want to stop doing it in order to go to the bathroom, especially when they're at home and there's not that structure um, like we talked about with, you know, the, the daycare taking the kids every 20 minutes, you know, on, as like clockwork. And so we need to remind her that anything that, that, uh, that she can be doing uh, can be stopped for the three minutes it takes to use the bathroom, just like a, a video game or a videotape can be paused, right? Um, and as we mentioned before, Trey brought this up. Make sure that she's not wearing any kind of pull-ups or any kind of absorbent underwear. It's important that she starts to have, when she starts to have an accent, she notices it and is uncomfortable, right? That's the, the beauty of uh, wearing regular clothes is that they don't feel good when they're wet. Um, and then finally, you may need to remind your daughter to check in with her body and to take regular potty breaks. Like we said, at school, bathroom breaks are scheduled in when she's at home, reminders throughout the day, and having her use the bathroom at regular times, such as before and after a meal or snack, before bedtime, or if you see that her fidgeting, just remind her they need to go. <laughs> you know, actually, that, that reminds me, Trey, the number of times I've, I've seen kids not want to interrupt. You know, they're standing there doing their pee-pee dance. You know they have to go, and you tell them, hey, go on to the bathroom, and they look at you while they're dancing, holding their, their, themselves bent over in half, and they say, I don't have to. <laughs> Just because they don't want to go right then. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, I do. I've seen it happen. So, um, further advice. Once again, I, I said Dr. Lord answers this pretty extensively and looks at it from a lot of different angles. That's why we, we really appreciate her advice. Um, she says, furthermore, if your daughter resists going to the potty at schedule times, you can tell her that as soon as she has been dry for a week or whatever time frame, then she's allowed to skip those potty breaks. But until then, the rule is, and I love this, everyone uses the bathroom at those times. That way we kind of normalize it so that they, our kid doesn't feel penalized. Um, and don't make the rule a penalty. Just be matter-of-fact about it. Don't get into a power struggle. Just everybody do it. Uh, she goes on to say you might get that special watch that, and tell her that every time the hand gets to the hour and a half, she needs to go to the potty or set a reminder or an alarm. Or you may need to find some way to motivate your daughter to head to the bathroom earlier. Dr. Laura says, I'm not a big reward person, but on a short-term basis, a four-year-old can find rewards quite motivating as long as she actually has the capacity to achieve the reward. So a lot of good advice, um, and we will absolutely put this, uh, put this link in the show notes if you want to go to the website and take a look at this. Uh, and I say that because 
Uh, Dr. Laura is very thorough, and not only does she answer this guy's question, but uh, several other people go on uh, to to flesh things out. And then in the comments, there's like 30 comments where other people have had similar situations. Because remember, on the internet, everybody's had some experience, right? And so there's there's 30 other posts that Dr. Laura answers in various forms uh, that give further feedback. If uh, if you're having an issue, chances are she addresses it in the comments here. So. Um, just wanted to uh, to say thank you to everybody for uh, for going along uh, on this ride with us through a potty training bonanza. Um, we want to remind you that uh, helping our kids have a can-do attitude starts with us as parents, kind of modeling and normalizing that this is a this is a normal everyday function, right? Everybody goes to the bathroom, and we all have you know number twos, and they all stink. So that just makes us uh, just one with the human race. And if we normalize it and help our kids have a positive attitude about doing it, I think that we can get through the potty training process pretty simply, even though I'm sure that we'll all have little stories that, uh, that that we can swap when our kids get a little bit older to make sure that we embarrass them. So hang on to those stories. Remember to bring them up at your kid's graduation. And um, if you have pictures, make sure that you post them on the internet. <laughs> nope, just kidding. Don't do that. Your kids will hate you. At any rate, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing this time with us here at the Real Family Guys podcast. You know that we solicit and appreciate all the feedback that uh, you guys want to give us, whether it is uh, ideas for shows or whether it's something that we've said that uh, that got under your skin or something that we said that, uh, that you really appreciate. So make sure that you contact us at the sources that Trey mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. And in the meantime, we hope that you have fantastic times with your kids and that you will join us next time when we get together to bring you another wonderful Real Family Guys podcast. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>